0: Hey everybody, it's Dave Pash here with another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast, ESPN Arizona Cardinals play-by-play announcer. Our guest this week is Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State men's basketball team and also the all-time assist leader in NCAA history. Bobby, of course, a great player at Duke, multiple national championships. We'll talk about his time playing for Mike Krzyzewski, his time in the NBA, and also his time scrimmaging the Dream Team back in 92. We'll also talk about a recent documentary called The Redeemed Team and some of his takeaways from that. And we'll also get into the Sun Devils and what to expect from Arizona State in 2022-23.
1: We have a pretty good chip on our shoulder. A number of guys have a lot to prove. I like our team. Frankie Collins has been a really good addition, point guard transfer from Michigan. Uh, Marcus Bagley's been healthy. We have good size on the front court, which I haven't always had here, and there are a lot of positives that I'm seeing.
0: We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. The BetMGM touchdown boost token is here. Increase your payout with every Cardinals touchdown. You'll receive an extra 10% boost every Cardinals TD, and your boost can be used on the following week's game, only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, and the official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, Arizona only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Okay, time for our conversation with Arizona State Men's Basketball Head Coach Bobby Hurley. So I appreciate you, Bobby, coming in studio to do this. I've had to use up like all my favors <laughs> for this podcast. So thank you for coming in and doing it in person. I really great appreciate to be here, Dave. It. I appreciate it, man. So since this is technically a football podcast, we're not going to spend a ton of time on football. But I'm assuming, growing up in Jersey, it was either Giants or Jets. But you're a Yankee fan, so does that mean Giants? Because Giants and Yankees are connected, or no? <laughs> I took a lot of heat
1: in New Jersey because I was I was a Cowboy fan oh, okay. growing up. So, um, yeah, really good in the late 70s, early 80s. My dad got me hooked, and he was a big Cowboy fan as well. Um, so it was great. The early 90s were awesome. I actually, uh, one of my great memories was prior to uh, our NBA training camp starting, I was still in, in New Jersey training, working out. And it was it was Monday Night Football, Giants Stadium to open the season, and it was uh, Cowboys Giants, and it was uh, Dion Sanders' first game. So I had my you know I had my Emmett Smith jersey on, and uh, you know people yelling at me because <laughs> I was still you know at the time an NBA guy, so people recognized who I was, and uh, <laughs> so just maneuvering around that stadium was really interesting. But uh, I think Dion had a pick six for a touchdown and like a punt return for a touchdown, and. I somehow finagled my way into a box that was right next to Jerry Jones, so it was uh, it was like a dream come true that that night uh, and watching the Cowboys win thirty five nothing. You and Dion are both coaches now. He's like an ascending coach. He's going to get one of these big jobs. I mean, he's he obviously knows the game and playing the the cornerback position. You're out there and you're seeing the whole field and defensively I'm sure he's got great concepts but uh he's more such a dynamic personality you would imagine from a recruiting standpoint that it would be a home run to to have him as your coach
0: do you still follow the Cowboys now I I assume you probably don't have a ton of time with recruiting and now the camp started and the season's starting soon to watch football but
1: not a whole lot I mean my my son Bobby is now a Cowboy fan also so he he kind of fills me in on what's what's happening and uh I, don't th- I think we lost week one, but have played well yeah. at times. I think the record's decent. Uh, the defense is pretty
0: good, apparently. Yes, Micah Parsons is a yes. Yes. Oh Yes. Yeah. We need to get you some gear. We need to like, load up the Hurley family with some Cardinals gear so we can convert you here before, uh, <laughs> before the season's over. Did you play football at all growing up? Obviously, your dad was a legendary Hall of Fame high school basketball coach, so you were playing basketball, you and your brother Danny, but football at all while you were young?
1: My dad played football in high school and and broke his leg and had a bad experience with it, so he steered us away um we would We would do some neighborhood stuff like back in the day like in the city some we would go play a different neighborhood we'd have like five or six guys go play and it was kind of for like bragging rights in the city so I was pretty fast, so I was like I was just running fly patterns and stuff and or post
0: like a deep post, but I, I didn't want to get hit so <laughs> Well, man, I mean, you were a great athlete, and you, you you've got this intensity. So I got to imagine you had the intensity to play football if you really wanted to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just again, I, it was not something that you know. I mean, we would play we'd play touch football in the street and stuff, and so we always played, but no, I, nothing ever formal yeah. for me in that
0: way. So I got a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about, but the season's starting soon, so let's talk a little bit about the Devils. How's camp going? And your thoughts on what you have got in terms of your roster?
1: Well, I think uh, you know, we, we have a pretty good chip on our shoulder. A number of guys have a lot to prove, uh, starting right at the top. You know, we've had two, two tough years, so um, you know, we're very hungry, very motivated. Um, we've been practicing extremely hard. Um, you know, I, I, like, uh, I like our team. Frankie Collins has been a really good addition, point guard transfer from Michigan. Uh, Marcus Bagley's been healthy. He had a really good practice today. Um, so I think there's some positives. And then we have good size on the front court, which I haven't always had here. And so, you know, I think we could, you know, control the paint pretty well. So I think there are a lot of positives that I'm seeing and still some things to work out. We're about a week out right now. So we're, we're looking forward to it.
0: I know you're a non-excuse guy. And I said this many times the last couple of years on the air doing games for ESPN, that you guys were impacted more by COVID, I think, than anybody. COVID and injuries, because... 2020, you guys are headed for the NCAA tournament for the third straight year. Would have been the first time in almost 60 years at Arizona State. COVID hits, injuries hit. Has it been hard to recover from that?
1: To a degree, I, and I, and again, we we had been playing so well the year they canceled the season initially. Like down the stretch in the Pac-12, we within the last two weeks of the regular season, we're playing for maybe a chance to to win the whole conference, you know, and going on the road to UCLA and USC and. And then uh, hit the Pac-12 tournament we're the three seed and just that tournament never happened. And so it leaves the doubt and wondering what could have been from that year. Because I think of all my teams I've had here, that team was probably playing the best late in the season. So disappointing not to get that. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it was a struggle with some things in COVID. Other schools were impacted by it as well, just with injuries and stoppages. And uh, But it's been clear sailing so far, knock on wood, and we're excited that you know, it's a little bit in the rearview mirror
0: now. You mentioned Bagley being back. How how big is that? Because this kid, obviously, his brother was an incredible college player, number two pick in the draft, and it seemed like he himself was heading in that direction to be a very high draft pick before the injuries.
1: Yeah, very unfortunate timing, injuries, or he, you know, he'd be in the NBA right now, uh, as you touched on, but. Uh, I think Marcus has been through a lot. There's been, you know, a lot of struggle with the injuries, and it's been frustrating for him. He's a great kid. He's a hard worker, and you know, we're just excited for him to to hopefully have an opportunity to show what he could do and uh, and complete a season and 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 help us win. I think uh, a lot of guys that have NBA in their future um, sometimes could look past the present yeah. and, and not be as invested, but he. You know, he loves Arizona State. You know, his grandfather was one of the legends, Joe Caldwell. Oh, yeah. And as a little kid, he would always attend ASU games. So it's in his blood, and, and you know, he, he wants nothing more to have a great season.
0: I knew that about Joe Caldwell. Doug Tamro always has it in his notes. But if you didn't know it, you would by working with Bill Walton, because that's all Bill talks about. <laughs> it's five times a game. Yeah. Like, if you're playing Walton bingo at home, you can cross <laughs> off the Michael Crow, Bobby Hurley, <laughs> and Joe Caldwell squares uh, yeah. by the 10-minute mark. No doubt, it's
1: uh, yeah. I mean, I I love Bill. It was great. I saw him at Pac-12 media briefly, and uh, it's always fun. And it's always so entertaining and unexpected. You know what what might be said, and uh, you know I think the game speaks for itself, and it's entertaining. But what
0: you guys do and
1: and the back and forth, I think is 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 it's classic.
0: What might be said or what might be done? Um, <laughs> you were there witnessing. So he, he the cupcake. You guys yes. beat. I think it was Washington there in the top ten and you guys beat him. He might have even been like number one in the country. And he, he ate the he ate the candle, the lit candle. Yes. And then you came over, did an interview with it, and he did it again for you. I still have the picture, the look on your face of you're in awe of it, but do you think because you yourself I mean you're still the all time assist leader in college basketball history? I mean, you're one of the great players in the history of college basketball. So is Bill. Do you think that you have a, a deeper appreciation for him because of how good you were as a player
1: i i I mean i think because we kind of i mean we accomplished different things not exactly the same but playing in those final fours and championships that's uh, like kind of a common bond even though we we didn't cross over in the same area so i always make sure the players understand who he is when he's at our games and what he meant to the game of basketball he's he's a legend and uh and he loves it i mean he's I don't know if anyone prepares as hard as he does for, for his telecasts and I don't think people realize that. You know, Doug Tamaro knows how much time he spends talking about our players. You know, he wants to visit with them pre practice. You know, he really makes uh, makes us feel special, you know, when he's in the gym.
0: He does enjoy the players. I mean he's got sheets of paper everywhere and it, it is. He he has notes upon notes about a player and one of our jobs is we are supposed to humanize the student athlete, yeah. and he does a great job of that because he's asking the players about their background, about their their families, and he he gets the stories on the air, and he does promote Arizona State. We know he loves Michael Crow. We we're <laughs> going to hear that Ray Anderson. I mean, uh, so he 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 is fully invested in, in making it a commercial for the programs he's calling the game for.
1: And, and I agree, and I think there should be more humanization of it and uh, of the players and their stories and and human interest and. You know, I'm sure there are people that love the the tacticians, the uh, the X's and O guys that do the games. But Bill, I think, is is a
0: combination of both. So I mentioned that you're still the all-time assist leader in the NCAA. That that record's been there for 30 years. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record is going down this year in the next month. LeBron James. I just did a game the other night, and we talk about it a lot. Didn't yeah. It was one of it was the loss to Denver last week for LeBron. But that's a record that stood for 38 years, and it's going down. Your record stood for 30 years. I don't know that it's ever going to be eclipsed because not enough guys stay. What do you think? That's how I
1: always say it. Really, I mean, <laughs> I know there's guys like Chris Paul that stuck around for two years, and you know, I, I could really pass. I took pride in passing the basketball. It was it was the, the one skill that that I loved beyond any other to to make that dynamic pass, no look, and showcase you know unselfishness and uh, and the vision that I had out there and. I like to be liked by my teammates, so you know if you make a good pass and you set them up for a shot, then you're usually you know well liked in the locker room. So, but uh, yeah, no doubt it's it's going to be tough to catch it. And I think it's also all the NCAA tournament games that I participated in as a player. We were getting to the final four three straight years, yeah. so it's just you're getting a lot of games compiled there.
0: You're the second Duke uh, alum that I've had on this podcast. I had JJ Redick on. Oh, cool last year i just worked with jj last week really like working on him he's great yeah. i don't know how much you've seen him on tv oh, but he's really no, good. He's
1: outstanding he's yes.
0: really i mean he could do this for a long time and be excellent for a long time he had some great coach k stories about shavlik randolph basically getting ripped by k i don't know is there anything i mean it's been 30 years but i'm sure you have indelible moments that uh, you can recall about coach k anything that stands out to you above the others well there's probably a
1: couple i think um the one was more when we just defeated UNLV and they were they beat us the year before by 30 points my freshman year in a championship game, just humiliated in front of 20 million people and now we're back in the same spot about to play them. They're undefeated. they're number one in the country and, and we're big underdogs in that game and we go out and play the game of our lives in a, you know a near perfect game and, and I just remember you know the moments afterwards and feeling like incredible and then going to media with coach, and and just he and I and saying well, did we just do that you know <laughs> <laughs> because he like really motivated us that whole week he was like guys I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking up UNLV how good they are how unbeatable they are but we're gonna kick their ass you know on Saturday night and really like I get chills thinking about like the type of motivational tactics he used that week and getting us ready to play and win that game so that one was a special one and I think the, another one would be the dream team week when. I was selected one of eight players to go scrimmage against the original dream team. And uh, it was myself, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, uh, Jamal Mashburn, Alan Houston, Chris Weber. I mean, we had a squad and uh, we were real nervous to, to play that game. Uh, the first scrimmage. I, mean, I just remember that, that bus rolling up and and there was hundreds of people screaming for Jordan and magic and all those guys. And then we pull up in like a yellow school bus and no one cares we they are. And, <laughs> So we're uh, the the dream team is is going through their routine, and I, I'm saying to myself, I'm real nervous, man. I'm like maybe these guys they, they've won so much they're not gonna go that hard today, the first day, and they were going hard. I was like the ball was just popping, uh, everyone was talking. It looked like they had played together for like ten years. So now I'm even more nervous. They give me like two minutes to warm up, and then we got to play the dream team. And uh, I remember just turning it loose, and had some steals, some assists, layups, everything was clicking, and uh, I remember, I think, I drove in and laid the ball in, we went up 12, and and Chuck Daly called a timeout, and I just looked over at Coach K, and he just, he looked like he always was in control, and and I I, I gave him a look, and he was like, he he almost looked at me like, why can't you play this good when you're with me? (laughs) Um, but, but that's like how I felt like, wow, like I just impressed
0: coach K. That's pretty cool. So what, and there was a story you've told before. Maybe, maybe you can go a little bit deeper here on your teammate, Christian Leitner who wasn't on your team. He's on the dream team and magic got mad at him. Is that, is that what happened? Like you beat him?
1: Uh, Yeah, I wasn't uh, going to share that. It it is part (laughs) of what I just talked about. It was, um, we had went on a big run and, and, uh, you know, Christian and I had always, you know, butted heads some, and he, you know, he was hard on me, and uh, he he could be an ass sometimes <laughs> to play with, but but in a in a way that we always pushed each other, like and yeah. challenged each other and stuff. So it was probably good, and but you didn't always feel that way in the moment. Um, so him being hard on me, I had a little bit of payback. Um, I came off a high ball screen, going to my left hand, and Christian was guarding the screener, and. His job is to step out and make sure I just can't turn the corner and go to the basket. Sure. He stepped out briefly, but not long enough for magic to get back in front of me. So as soon as he left, I just darted right down the lane and laid the ball in and Chuck Daly called that timeout. I looked over at Coach K and <laughs> and then but the meantime, Magic was tearing Christian to pieces. It was like Hey, you rookie, you step out. you know, And it was just, it was crazy. And I had never seen anybody like talk to Christian like that. So it was, it was a little, in a sick way inside, it, it felt good. <laughs> hey,
0: it's the bully meeting uh, somebody a little bit bigger, <laughs> right?
1: In yeah, a way? With a bigger rep. And, and <laughs> yeah. he's a guy that you, you know, magic is not
0: a guy that you say anything to. Yeah. So he just had to take it. Yeah. W- was there anybody in particular that you were, in awe of do you remember like walking and be like oh my goodness that's so and so i mean you again you were a great player and you were a top 10 pick shortly after that but was there anybody that you were like man or, or when you played the game or the practice and you were done like wow that guy's a lot better than i thought
1: yeah, good question um well jordan had my attention a lot like yeah. Just I was always looking where he is. I had the ball out of my hand, so I was always wondering what pass he's going to try and steal and go dunk it. So I was always trying to like, think about where he was on the floor. Um, I had to guard him one possession, and he just he said, Mouse in the house, let's go, get me the ball on the block. And he kind of did that, that patented fadeaway jump shot over me. Um, that was a memorable one. I mean, I don't know. The guys were really good. I mean, really down to earth, um, asked them questions, uh You know, my brother Dan had me on a mission to get some cards signed, you know, which uh, trading (laughs) cards, which, you know, those guys were great, again, about doing that. So it was pretty cool. David Robinson, man, he was uh, a guy that was so good, light on his feet. I don't know how he blocked the shot of mine one time. I thought I had a layup, and this guy, I don't know where he came from, and the ball was, like, in the third row. Um, Scotty Pippen is another one. I realized I was going to be in trouble if he was guarding me in the NBA because he laid off me about three feet. And with his wingspan, his ability to jump, he would just block my jump shot. And then he was laying far enough off me I couldn't go
0: by him, so I basically couldn't do anything <laughs> with him. Yeah. Speaking of, well, first of all, before we do uh, get to the NBA and your time in the NBA, have you watched the Redeem Team documentary on Netflix yet? Have you seen it? I have, yes. I thought it was phenomenal. And the thing that stood out to me above well, two things, was Kobe and how that maybe changed players' viewpoint of Kobe because when Kobe unfortunately passed, you had a lot of players talk about how they used to pick his brain and how helpful Kobe was to them, where before that it seemed like he was kind of standoffish from those guys. That stood out to me, and then the other was, the command that Coach K had of that group, considering he's a college coach with the greatest players in the world and all future Hall of Famers. Yeah. I just think,
1: you know, again, that was a great documentary. Well done. Um, I think a great tribute to Kobe and and just, uh, you know, how it was portrayed and just seeing him jump over the scorer's table to save a loose ball and... Uh, what he did with Paul Gasol uh, in that oh. first game game—it was something, man. He runs him over. Yeah. He I mean,
0: tells the guys, I'm going to run him over. That's like one of his best friends. Yeah.
1: I mean, I had chills when I yeah. saw that. I mean, that was big time. Um, you know, uh, his, his story when everyone went out in Vegas and he's, he's going down to the workout room at 5.30 when everyone's rolling in and the impact that that had. So I thought there were a lot of things that I really gravitated to that I could even use to talk to my players because all my guys, like, idolized Kobe and, and they watched it. So it was great. But, but Coach K was always brilliant, you know, with his messaging. You know, I think that he spends a lot of time just making sure he could find ways, you know, to motivate his guys.
0: So, have you been able to talk through that with some of your players, and what's their reaction been to some of the things that they saw, and now try to implement themselves?
1: Yeah, I mean, we just—I—I—I I, I I mentioned a few of those examples, you know. Talked about sacrifice a lot, you know. On a good team, you have to sacrifice, and guy like Dwayne Wade, who's playing probably one of the best players in the NBA, is coming off the bench, and he handled that fine. So. I think there's a lot of good lessons that you could learn, and just seeing like guys like Kobe, just the willingness to do the little things and the dirty work, and talking about guarding Ginobili, and you know when he's the, maybe one of the great scorers of all time, but he took it personal to try and shut him down in the game they needed him to to guard
0: uh, Manu. So there's a lot of things that you could talk sure. to your guys about. Coach K retires, will go down as one of the greatest coaches in the history of sports, one of the most successful coaches in the history of sports. Can you talk about the challenges that John Shire faces now? I mean, you played there. You know what it's like. It's, um, it, it's probably the toughest place to play maybe in sports for an opponent because of the success and because of the proximity to the fans. Uh, what do you think the challenges are for John trying to keep that thing going Because a lot of times people say, you don't want to be the guy that takes the job after the guy, you know, but John, obviously he's in a great spot getting that job, which is one of the best jobs in college basketball.
1: Yeah. Well, I had been an assistant for three years before I became a head coach. And there's, when you slide one seat over, it's a big difference. You know, you're, you're completely in charge of, of many more decisions uh, instantly throughout the course of the game. So there'll be a learning curve there, but you know, he's young and, You know, he's been through the wars with Coach K, he sat next to him, he's picked his brain, he's, uh, you know, he's got great energy. So, you know, and the recruiting has been very stable. You know, it's not like they've dropped off in terms of getting the top talent. So that's definitely gonna help.
0: You mentioned being an assistant, you started coaching just a little bit over a decade ago. And, you know, obviously we'll get into a little bit, you know, what happened with your NBA career, but there was that long period of time where you weren't coaching. Uh, I want to touch on that as well but what finally clicked in terms of you know I think I want to do this because obviously you've done very well as a head coach.
1: Well I mean it's something that I I never knew I would take basketball as far as I took it. I I always you know my um, self-esteem as a basketball player wasn't great like I, I always didn't think I was good enough and continued to push myself and never thought that I would even get to the NBA. So coaching was always something that I knew that I would want to go in that direction because my dad was a, a longtime high school coach, 45 years in, in the Hall of Fame, uh, as one of two high school coaches. So I was around the game in that way my whole life and sat in those rooms with him after a bad loss when he was steaming. and you know uh, just saw how much he wanted to learn the game and and invested time in doing it and watching film and all the stuff he did so uh, i knew that it was kind of my destiny to want to do that but with the nba not going the way i had wanted to with my career just kind of had a bad taste in my mouth i had the car accident that i dealt with and i was a little burnt out from basketball so i think i needed a little bit of a breather um but deep down like every march madness i i uh I like I was saying, wow! I, I want to be coaching in, in the NCAA tournament, and uh, or in October, I'm like, wow! Like I, I should be coaching, and and then I would be sidetracked with other business stuff that I was doing, and uh, but certainly it was it was always itching at me to want to do it.
0: You mentioned the car accident, which I, I know you've talked about probably more than you want to over the last thirty years, happening in your rookie season, very early on in your rookie season. Do, do you think if that didn't happen? your career would have been longer? Or do you think because of kind of what you said earlier, you, you lacked some self-confidence that maybe it, it wasn't going in the direction ultimately that you had hoped regardless of that?
1: Well, I mean, I I think I was leading all assi- well, all rookies with assists when it happened. You know, I was starting, but I wasn't setting the world on fire. Um, I was struggling from the field shooting it. I think we were still in the process of building and putting pieces together there. I don't think it was ready to, to to be a winning situation. I was adjusting to that, which was very tough. I went from hardly ever losing any games to being you know one of the worst teams in the NBA. So when it did happen, uh, it knocked me back. It's hard to prepare for anything like that. It was uh, you know a lengthy recovery. I think you know I had a partial tear in my ACL, which didn't help and. I think the biggest injury, though, was you know, I should have had a seatbelt on. I didn't have the belt on and was ejected from the vehicle. And uh, so the impact of landing you know, did a, quite a bit of damage to my left shoulder. I had some nerve damage in there. So just the, uh, my, my arm, my left arm really didn't fire the same. I became more of a, of a right-hand dominant guy. So there were some things that came out of there that I just tried to battle through but were not you know, ideal in terms of trying to be an elite athlete at that level.
0: And, and I don't want to dismiss it all, uh, what you're saying, because obviously it, it's, it was a serious situation. But you touched on something about, uh, and I want to get your take on this for somebody here like Kyler Murray, who won championships in high school, pretty successful, winning a Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma, and struggling to win. The team's struggling right now, made the playoffs last year. But you know because you've been there, somebody that won championships, and then you're trying to figure out how to deal sometimes with guys that maybe aren't on your level talent-wise and trying to build a winner how difficult I mean you've done it at Arizona State I mean there's a great example of you doing it in your coaching career taking a program that kind of was hovering around occasionally being on the bubble to again without covid three straight years in the NCAA tournament for first time in 60 years
1: i just think you got to be stubborn and and you can never you know be satisfied or accept losing and it's just got to destroy you inside. And and I think the great competitors um, really, you know, they say they hate to lose more than they love to win. And it's just, uh, it eats away at them. So, you know, as long as you have that going in your belly, then then you're going to figure out a way uh, to get the job done.
0: So after your NBA career, um, before you got into coaching, you were doing horse breeding. How involved were you? Were you racing horses? Like, did you know everything there was to know about it? Or were you just kind of a casual observer?
1: Well, it started for me back in high school. Occasionally, you know, my mom worked. She was a teacher's assistant. My dad was a probation officer and a basketball coach. So I had babysitter, and babysitter took... Bobby to the track, you know, <laughs> which I don't know is, is the greatest place to be taken. But um, so I, I saw the horses. I didn't understand what was going on. You know, he was, you know, he was betting uh, you know, on the races and stuff and stuff. So had a little bit of a knowledge of it at that point. I had a lawyer a friend of mine that was uh, a thoroughbred owner, and he was uh, he, he sponsored my pro am team when I played in the NBA uh, in, the, in the Jersey Shore League, and uh, we were called the Allenhurst Barbers. So you play for the team and you get a haircut. You know, eventually, you know, once every couple of weeks. That was my my deal with that team. It was actually the last game I ever played in my life. Was was that game? I tore my uh, my ACL uh, for the last time and had to hang it up. But what year was that, by the way? That was 1998, I believe. 1999. Yeah. Um, So anyway, uh, uh, Brian Doherty had owned uh, several horses. He brought me to the track. He had this new one that he loved and. And I was getting ready to play my first NBA season, and he had me go to the workout. And, you know, the horse looked fine. It was running fast, but they're all out there running. I mean, I don't really know the difference between which. So um, he said, Do you want to invest? And uh, it was $20,000, I think. And I had the check ready. And then at the last minute, I said, Look, Brian, I don't really, I need to concentrate on basketball. And, uh, you know, I don't really know what's going on. So I'm going to take a pass on this. And,. Ended up that horse, he invited me to watch her run in like this huge race. It was a big purse, like a year later. So, kind of filed that away. And um, as my basketball winded down, I got more involved. I did more research on it. And uh, it became a way to substitute like the competitiveness uh, that I had in basketball and, and kind of dedicate it towards that. And, you know, trying to find something new to invest
0: my time in doing. Few more quick ones, and we'll get you out of here. I know you got a film to watch and a season to get ready for. Um, in 1996, you were in a movie called Blue Chips, which I think was the first time that there were that many athletes together, other than Space Jam, right? Uh, which wasn't you know was animated, and they've redone it since. Well, what do you remember about that? I think you were playing for Indiana for yes. Bob Knight. Yes, in the movie, yeah, well, a Duke guy
1: playing for Bob Knight. <laughs> Yeah, I was nervous about that because he's, you know, and again, when I when I got there for the shoot, it was all live footage. So we just played Shaq and Penny's team and and they just they just shot raw footage. So I didn't have to act luckily because I got no no skills there. Um, but he had a way. Bobby Knight just had really um, a way about him, just a uh, presence about him. You just felt like a little bit of intimidation just being around him. So I really I had everything real basic and fundamental: chest pass, bounce pass. None of the over the head or behind the back. <laughs> I, I just put that all to bed. And um, but there was one that was one story that was pretty funny. We they take all the live footage, and there's only one stage shot at the end. And. Everyone wants to get out of there and leave and go eat or whatever. And um, so they the director comes over and it's the the lob play. They're, they're getting that orchestrated and they throw the lob to Shaq and he dunks it and then they win and, and they go nuts and they storm the court and everything. So we're in there and it takes like 15, 20 minutes to get the cameras set up in the right position, get the fans where he wanted them and the whole thing. So the director then comes back in the huddle and he's like, all right, we're ready for you guys now. So as we're leaving the huddle to go back out, Bobby Knight grabs a couple of guys and he says, grab Shaq, don't let him get it, the lob. So we, they run the play <laughs> and, and, and I forget like Penny's throwing the lob to Shaq and the, and the ball just sails out of bounds because some, we just grab Shaq and, and they're like, cut, cut, you know, and, and uh, then they had to reset all the cameras again and
0: everything and get the oh, shot figured out. So that was pretty funny. You know, I actually worked some games with Bob Knight when he worked for ESPN, and I really enjoyed working with he, him. He was actually really good to me and he, it's funny cuz he put his arm around me during an on-camera, and I other than the Bill games, that's the most my phone has blown up like Bob Knight, like y- you you're being initiated into the club when Bob <laughs> Knight puts his arm around I I thought he might hurt me at first, <laughs> but uh it was a gentle. It was a gentle uh arm. Yeah uh I, i'm guessing blue chips is better than batman's versus superman dawn of justice i was in that i don't know if you've seen it oh well, i haven't seen that so yet. it's not good um <laughs> the Zack snyder cut which is a movie that he wanted to make uh it's so if you if you get the movie there's the Zack snyder cut okay. and we're in that All it's, right, it's a football it. scene it's Again, I didn't have to act because I'm a sportscaster, but yeah. we, we introduced the Ben Affleck uh, Batman right, character. It's like, the, it's like between Superman getting in trouble for something that maybe he did and they think maybe he's a bad guy to now introducing Ben Affleck. There's a football game that's going on and we're announcing it. But don't waste your time. No, you, I'm going to go look for it now. Uh, you, you have yeah. much more important things, I think, <laughs> to, to watch. Uh, last thing, how do you think you've grown in your time at Arizona State eight years now as a, as a head coach?
1: Well, I mean, I think uh, I think the last two years have taught you a lot of lessons. I uh, they were very frustrating and hard to, to live through. I think I think being a little more tolerant, a little you know a little bit more forgiving, you know, on myself, uh, and, and I think uh, that's been a plus. I think I'm I'm showing a little more patience uh, towards the guys I'm coaching, and and uh, you know, I think I've I only had one technical last year. It was it was a big one. Uh, But uh, so I'm doing better, I think, with with the officials or trying. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I I I like our team this year. Um, I think I've delegated a little more. Um, I think I've been too much of of a control. I got to control everything and. Given more uh, to to Jermaine Kimbrough for us defensively, and giving him more responsibility, my associate head coach, and that's freed me up to to focus in on our offense and special situations, and uh, and just the overall feel of the game, without having to feel like you're in charge of everything.
0: Well, I always enjoy covering your teams. You're a class act, and uh, I love watching you guys play. Uh, I'm hopeful that you guys. Get back to where you were finally through the injuries and everything and get back to, to where you guys were a few years ago. Uh, I know we have you guys a bunch here, so look forward to seeing you during the season. Same here, Dave. Thank right, you, bye. man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. A lot of subjects covered there with Bobby Hurley along with his time as an NBA player and playing for Mike Krzyzewski at Duke and going up against the Dream Team. Some interesting stuff on what he did after his playing days, before he got into coaching. It's also good to catch up about the Arizona State Sun Devil basketball team. You think about the injuries and COVID, what happened to Arizona State. They would have been in the NCAA tournament for the third straight year, which would have been historic for the Sun Devils. Hopefully they're back And it sounds like based on what Bobby was saying about the roster and the health of Bagley, there's a chance Arizona State is among the contenders in the Pac-12 again this season. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod. You can also tell us what you think, review us, rate us by going on your podcast platform and giving us your thoughts. On the Dave Pash Podcast. Thanks again to you for listening, and thanks to Bobby Hurley for being this week's guest on the Dave Pash Podcast.